previously on Wild Endeavors. The Wayward Sons traveled to the Feywild in search of a legendary weapon to help them free the people of Arya from the Shroud that has imprisoned them for more than 3,000 years. After proving themselves to the Wild Hunt, the only thing that stands between the Companions and this Crucius is a hero straight out of myth and legend. This is the story of the Wayward Sons, featuring Nick Feely as Elven Fighter Aramil Galadinel. Guys, I'm like the best fucking archer that's ever existed in the world. Evan Chamberlain as the human cleric Elemin Corster. Anybody need some heals? I can do that. Amy Jostino as the dwarven barbarian Therina Thunderhelm. Remember, I'm the leader and I get a shrub. Adam Rogers as the gnome rogue Malkin Castle. Yeah, I mean, I would like to check for traps and all the rogue stuff, but... Devin Salisbury as the Eldrin wizard, Varys Leodon. I could also just fly, so... And I'm Thomas Marsetti, DM and producer of these, our wild endeavors. And now, episode five, Choice of a Weapon. as the doorway closes behind you. You stand at the foot of Horn Hill. The crowd of Fey who followed to watch stand now at a distance. Between them and you are a number of hunters. You are again struck by the variety. A dragonborn elf sits astride a large emu-like bird. A dwarf wearing fringed leather armor stands next to a ram that has two sets of horns and six legs. A goblin in brilliant blue metal armor sits atop a bear that's striped like a zebra. Many of the hunters still run in the air above the hill. The group atop the hill is now also much larger. And you realize that not all of them look very happy to see you. The gnome who spoke with you before the great hunt approaches you again. He hooks his thumbs into a couple of the many belts that encircle and drape over him like a smock. Well, you just put on a hell of a show. But. No but. You guys won. We promised you a favor. All right. Great. I mean, we would like to get out of here. He follows your gaze up to some of the angry hunters atop the ridge. Oh, them? Nah, I wouldn't worry about them. They're just a couple goats shy of a dozen, you know what I mean? What a dozen goats! Uh. <laughs> Look, I mean, you weren't supposed to win, and some of them took it personal. Like I, on the other hand, put, put a little wager on you. I had a good feeling about you, so I don't mind telling you this whole thing wasn't really for you. It was an uh, initiation of sorts. Those uh, Githyanki you killed at the end there—they were all but chewins to to join the hunt. Truth be told, uh, our recruits usually do much better. We almost never have to honor our word and give a favor to the likes of yous. You know, no offense. 
So our, about our favor, our agreement. Yeah, no problem. You just gotta, you gotta tell me what it is again. I maybe wasn't really uh, listening the first time. Didn't expect that. Have to remember. Igraine <laughs> Vanguin. We need to speak with her. That's who we want to talk to. I think is uh, we need to meet with her about a certain item she has or used to belong belong to her. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let me go see if we've got anybody uh, riding with us by that name. The gnome turns around and begins to make his way back up Horn Hill toward where the Horned Rider and its entourage are. What are you doing while you're waiting? I'm just I'm just kind of assessing my person. It's been a while uh, since I've gotten a chance to really just kind of go over what kind of stuff I have on me and yeah, it has. Sure. And you did just get all your gear back um, after during the Great Hunt, like not having most of it. Anybody need some heals? I can do that. Yeah, I think our you know speed up pretty bad, but. Accurate, yes. I need to feel. 28 points back to you. Thanks, dude. Nick? Is this, is this like a short rest? Could I take a short rest? You can try. Look, you don't know how long it's going to be. Okay, well, um, I'm going to attempt a short rest. Okay. As everybody's trying to rest, I'm walking up to everyone like, so how about the adventure, huh? Like, <laughs> not, not letting them rest. <laughs> well, I mean, Aramel brings up an interest interesting point. It has been quite a difficult I'm journey in the Feywild this time. Are any of you interested in talking about that? Or how are you guys dealing with that? I honestly just want to get the fuck out of here. I mean, it's just another day. I was really upset when I had my pet kraken taken away twice, though. So, that sucked. How's but Diggy doing? We're hanging out. I'm okay. still kind of Good. shaken up about the whole not being able to save all the people. The other captives at the Thunder Giant camp. I enjoyed the the mini game. I think like the action and strategy sort of like keeps the mind active and doesn't kind of let things get to him. You know what I mean? Sure. But it's all a mask and he's broken inside. I'm crying. (laughs) Broken from what? Killing those two dudes still. That's what I thought. I was just checking. It was like a (laughs) hundred years ago. (laughs) <laughs> that was probably actually a legit year ago in the normal timeline it's been about three years but remember you all lost some time from your first visit to the Feywild yeah so those guards have been dead for three years but for you all it's only been about six months since Aramil killed them like their children are three years older right why do you gotta think about it like that bring everybody down he murdered them I did yeah in cold he murdered a lot of people yeah, I don't see them as murder. I see them as necessary homicides. Please, somebody still died. As you are waiting, a reminder, Venguin was one of the legendary champions. You would know that she's a ranger from the the Bansa region. Um, her home city is one of the ones that was lost when the Bansa Peninsula was shattered during the war and scattered out into the sea. Her prowess as a hunter is a stuff of myth. It is said that she once tracked a darkened ship over a month through a storm that's blotted out both the sun and the stars. On land, it was said that no creature that touched the ground could evade her. During the War of the Champions, she carried Surindil, the Torrent of Fate. With that legendary Crucius, it was said that she held back an entire host of aberrations in the Sleek Maw Pass. So dense was the barrage of arrows she rained upon them. 
that it was said that she held back 10,000 of their numbers for more than 12 hours, long enough for the town of Flatmere to be evacuated and its people saved. It is this bow that you hope to obtain from her. You end up waiting about half an hour, which if any of you want to take that as a short rest, you can. It's been a while since any of the hunters have come down from the top of the hill, so when one finally does, they catch your attention pretty quickly. Her mount catches your attention first. It is the size and general shape of a leopard. Um, It even has the spots and the fur, but its head and hind legs more closely resemble a jackrabbit. The rider appears to be a halfling woman. She has bright, uh, almost golden blonde hair. She's wearing green leather armor, and across the small of her back she has a large silver stiletto-like blade. For her size, it's basically like a long sword, uh, but probably be like a short sword for like a human. As she makes her way down the hill, you notice her taking a, quite a few pulls from a bottle. She has just the slightest wobble to her. But she is also very clearly a skilled rider. Even with the wobble, she seems totally in control of the mount. Um, as she makes her way over the last hundred feet or so up to you, you notice a significant scar on her face over her right eye. And sparkling in the socket instead of an eyeball is a piece of citrine. Um, and it's cut with so many facets, it looks almost like a golf ball gem. As she pulls up in front of you, she kind of leans forward onto her pommel, maybe for a little bit of balance and, and maybe just a little bit to, you know, look tough. And she says, Is the fox looking for Venguin? Um, what? Venguin. You fox want to talk to her? <clears throat> um, yes, we're here to see her. What do you want to say to her? Uh, that's of our own business. We're looking for her bow. Her bow? I don't think she's dated anybody for a, for a long time. <laughs> we're looking for the weapon she uses. Maybe she uses a lot of weapons. Well, maybe we're looking to borrow one of them. And why would she want to let you have one of her weapons? And then we show her Bahara. Would she recognize that? She certainly seems to. And I show her my shield, Benra. She squints her good eye like she's trying to get the two of you to come into focus. Then she reaches into her saddlebag and pulls out a bottle pulls the cork out with her teeth, takes a big swig of it. When she looks back at you, she seems more sober. She looks from one legendary Crucius to the other, from Baharoth to Fanroth. The look in her eyes is so similar to the look Elglirion got when he first saw that you had recovered one of the legendary Crucius. It's a look of complete awe. Awe in the traditional sense of the word, that amazement that is so strong, it becomes a degree of horror. If she is who you think she is, it's been thousands of years since she saw these mighty artifacts. If it is her and the legends are true, it's likely she saw Thorina's hammer used by the champion Targar Thunderfist. It's likely she saw what legend says is the final swing of that hammer, a strike so powerful it slew the last herald of the Devourer and split Mount Hyrath in two. It's also likely she's seen Elemen's shield, carried by the champion Cantor Declan. She may have even seen him use it to hold back the barrage of an entire army of aberrations. If she did, she saw the shield shake off the ferocity of those mighty blows. 
the shield shook off the force of those blows, but in doing so caused the earth itself to crack, creating the fjords of the Hunstead Highlands. She finally looks back up from the artifacts, back to you, and says, Who the fuck sent you? At least uh, we're here on our own accord. Not with those you're not, and not looking for who you say you are. Let me introduce myself. I'm Element Corsair, and this is my group, or the Wayward Sons. The eyebrow over her gem eye goes up just a little bit, and she nods and says, Uh, congratulations, I guess? <laughs> a Clarion's like the one we could we could source to like get some respect. True, yeah. Well, she would try it. <clears throat> a Glarion sent us. Ish. Suggested we find you. She takes another big swig from that bottle. Then somewhat quietly she says, That's what I thought you said. Then looking to Varys, she says, He's he's still alive. Surprisingly, yes. We talked to him in a tree or something. Yeah. We, we, we saw him outside <laughs> the tree too. And he sent you to re- retrieve my bow. Uh, oh. Not exactly, but in a way. That's her then. It does seem like she's either dropped whatever act she was playing or has slipped up. Okay. Yeah. What is it you need it for? There's a threat to the realm and. Vanquishing well, all evil, etc. etc. Kind of need the help, the help we can get. What kind of threat? Shadow kind. What? Wrong campaign. <laughs> Wrong campaign. <laughs> <laughs> a great I mean, shroud technically... encompasses our. Ah, that's what I meant. Shroud, not shadow. Yeah. So some of you have figured that out. Eh? She looks up to the sky for a little bit and takes a deep breath and then looks back down to you. Take me to Aglirion, and you can have a Surrendil. What do you want with Aglirion? What the fuck is that to you? Well, if you're gonna kill him, then we're just gonna have all these kinds of problems, and it's dramatic, and I don't want to go on trial again, because they just got mad at me, because I put them on trial, like, a week ago for accidentally killing somebody. Arena, you're <laughs> oversharing again. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't really an accident, like you did kill him. <laughs> Look, the uh, the business between Aglirion and myself is just that. Between him and myself. I mean, we just need to make sure you're not going to kill him immediately. And then we'll talk about it. Uh, fine. I won't kill him. Or have somebody kill him. Done. Signed. Do I believe it? Delivered. You can roll inside if you want. I do. 17. She seems, I'll say this, she seems disinterested in trying to lie to you. Okay. Where would we find a Glarion? Was he moving? Do we know where he was going? I, we could you find him. You did not, but Element has a means to contact him. Yeah. Okay. Do you guys see any problems with <sighs> bringing really him along? out of the Feywild? If you can't, I can get us back to the mortal realm. Then yes. 100% we will take you there. Mm-hmm. Very good. She dismounts from her Yarovin, pulls a few satchels and another travel bag off of it, takes off the, the harness and the, the saddle it was wearing, and he tosses that to the side. She gives it a few scratches on its uh, big cat-like haunches. It lets out something between a purr and the whinny of a horse. She pets it on the head between its giant rabbit ears. 
She then very affectionately says, Go on, get the fuck out of here. It nuzzles her for just a moment and then begins to walk away toward some of the other hunters. She then turns back to all of you. She takes a swig out of a bottle. This is not the bottle that seems to make her more sober. And she says, All right, you folks ready? So we're talking to another champion like a war from the War of the Champions. Yeah. Correct. She's just like, looks like a normal, like, hasn't aged at all. Just. You would put her probably like middle age for a halfling. This is, uh. How are you still alive? Seems like a pretty fucking rude question. <laughs> I was about to say, no matter what realm, it's rude to ask a woman her age. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, the curiosity gets the better of me. Forget I am. Well, I don't want you fucking ogling me for whatever amount of time we're going to be together. Let's just say that things are a little different when you ride with the Wild Hunt. We, well, I suppose it's no longer we. They are one of the great powers of the Fae. Wherever the Wild Hunt goes, they take a bit of the Fae Wild with them. I've been riding with the Hunt pretty much fucking since the war ended. In the mortal realm, that's been, what, about 3,000 years? For me, it's felt like maybe 600 years. And I figure I've aged maybe 20. Yeah, that keeps you young. Fair enough for me. I won't ask anymore. What, what happened to your eye? She looks at you and says, I lost it. <laughs> hey, I said nothing lost an eye too. Have you crossed the bridge? <laughs> When she said that I thing, I, like, walked up and went to, to fist bump her. <laughs> <laughs> she gives Malkin kind of a half-smile and just shakes her head. You guys ready to get the hell out of here? Yes. Yeah. Venguin takes a pouch from her pack and begins to sprinkle what looks like uh, neon purple sand in a line about four feet long. She mutters a few phrases uh, that seem to kind of rhyme um, and steps back and the air above the sand begins to warp and twist like you're seeing it uh, or seeing that part of the sky through a soap bubble or reflected in a funhouse mirror. She then takes another long swig from her bottle and gestures you all toward what now looks like a doorway made of warped air. All right. All right. As your foot breaks the plane of that warped air, you are surrounded by a bright purple light. You simultaneously have the feeling that you are floating up and away from where you are just standing, and you also feel like you are tipping forward and about to fall down into some vast emptiness that you can't even see. Slowly, the tipping feeling becomes overwhelming until your foot hits the ground and you finish that single step. The purple light is gone, and you are standing in a field of low grass. Uh, to one side, a river rolls calmly by. Uh, opposite, it is a tree line. And in the distance beyond it are the foothills of the Ebon Cross Mountains. Uh, just an hour's ride down the river, you can see Sinashur. Uh, this is pretty much exactly where you left to the Feywild from. Um, and you all take a deep breath, relishing the smell of your home plane. Um, even Varys, who is now a little bit more Fey than he was before, can't help but feel how good it is to be home. Elemen, Therina, and Malkin, as you kind of gain your bearings and, and take that first deep, relaxing breath, you realize that your memories of the past couple of weeks in the Feywild are beginning to fade, uh, like a dream upon waking. Suddenly, 
how was it again that Thorina got captured? And wait, when when did Malcolm stop having two eyes? And there was a bird made of stone or something, and another bird you killed for some reason, or maybe maybe bought ice cream from it. I don't. Later, much later, you'll remember that you had similar difficulties with your memories coming back from your the Feywild the first time you visited. As you're struggling to hold on to these memories, uh, Vanguin walks by and uh, touches each of you on the hand. As she does, you feel warmth, um, kind of like burying your fingers in the the coat of a dog that's been sleeping in the sun all afternoon. And as the, that nature magic kind of seeps up your arm, uh, your memories begin to return and then are whole. Vanguin takes a look around and then back to you, she says, so where the fuck are we? More importantly, where the fuck is Aglerion? We're near Sinister. I can contact Aglerion, see where he is, and we'll make haste there. She gives you a look that very clearly means get on with it. Um, I'd li- I would honestly, I want I wanted to kind of check in with Wing before we before we did anything. Oh, sure, yeah, you can do that. Okay, I uh, even know how long we've been gone. <laughs> <laughs> so Wing, being the captain of a ship, cannot just immediately respond to you. Though when he does start to talk to you through the voice stone, he tells you that you have been gone about four weeks. Holy which, fuck! Well, you were aware of of two weeks, the, the time that you spent traveling to the Stormlands when you went to go hunt the dinosaurs. Though, at that time, you were still protected by the magic from the Summer Queen, so there wasn't kind of like any of that time dilation. And then, really, after the trial, it was kind of just better part of a day that you wrapped up all the wild hunt stuff. And so that is apparently, that apparently stretched into the other two weeks. Because you are no longer welcome in the court of the Summer Queen. Okay. I hope nothing bad has happened in that amount of time. He, he says, well, now, as, as far as I know, not. We've been able to trade with Sinashur quite a bit here. We'll need to move on if we want to make any real you know, profit from this current load of cargo. But uh, now that you're back, hopefully we can. Um, let me confer with the rest of the group, and I'll get back with you in just a moment. I want to ask the group, though, should we go ahead and just send the Donrose to do its thing for a while? I'm fine with that. Because I feel like we have some friends that could teleport us around. And I don't want to impede them on their mm-hmm. duty. We're supposed to, you know, be playing things by the book. If it changes how you're planning to, like, weigh this out, when you first started flying with the Dawn Rose, Wing said, as long as they could land the airship in a major city, like, once a month, they could continue doing enough trading to to pay for the ship's operation and to make enough profit to send back to the Cerulean Suns, kind of... Which is the whole point of the the Dawn Rose is to make money for the organization, and Wing said that they've been doing very well in Sinashore the past couple of weeks. So there's not like an immediate rush on their part. Okay, if that changes um, anything, I mean that's. I'll let him. Uh, I'll just tell Wing to stay put. I'll contact him. We're gonna go for uh, a bit of a trip. Uh, we'll contact you when we're back, or we'll with our update. This whole thing's been a bit of a trip, am I right? Uh, <laughs> You're not wrong there. I'll message like Larry on through text message. Be like, hey, yo, what up? <laughs> it's been a while. Can't remember what spell it is. Sending? Uh, sending, yeah. I'll go ahead and cast that. I'll say to Glarion, we found her. We're back. 
and the material plane, she wants to meet you. Where can we meet you? He sends back a message. It says, stay where you are. I'll send someone to get you. So about 30 minutes later, one of the larger trees in the nearby tree line starts to ripple. The bark is water, and someone just threw a stone into it. And then a lean dwarven man steps out of the ripples. He walks up toward you, and behind him, the tree stops rippling. He's wearing a very simple clothing, all brown, with what looks like a large uh, infinity scarf, resting in lumpy piles on his shoulders. Um, his hair is black, and his hair and beard are woven into hundreds of little tiny elaborate braids. When he gets close enough that you all can speak to each other without shouting, he says, I am Sadrag Oakspine. Our Grove Master sent me to lead you back to him. We are the Wayward Sons. Good to meet you. Where did yep. I go? <laughs> okay. Sardrag walks you back over to the tree he came through. And facing the tree, like, there's swirls of green energy being, like, waft up from the ground and around his waist. And then he sends it into the tree, and the bark begins to ripple again. Um, and he gestures you forward to six step through and into our grove. Right. And assuming you all do. Yep. So stepping into and through the tree feels like walking through several, uh, like, beaded curtains. And you step through into a circular room. The floor and walls are all made of large slabs of mostly flat, mostly smooth stones. Kind of like, imagine if you took, like, hundreds of the, the rocks from Stonehenge and then made a circular room out of, like, stacking them on top of each other. Uh, in the center of the room is a massive oak tree that is growing out of the floor. This is the tree you just walked out of. Um, its limbs lift high and wide um, in place of a ceiling on, on this room. A large window that is almost the entire northern part of the wall opens up into uh, a range of mountain peaks that are just peeking through some fog. Once everybody's through, Sardrag says, Welcome to the Circle of the Aether Grove. Please come this way. Uh, he is waiting. And he moves toward one of the three wide stone arches that lead out of the room. Uh, this leads you into what is kind of basically the grove proper. Um, a low wall rings this area. Um, there's no obvious door or like a gate through this wall. And even though that they call it a grove, there are not really that many trees here. Um, the ones that are are very tall and slim. And uh, most of the limbs are well above, like, the roofs of the buildings here. Uh, but the, So the vast majority of the space here is open. Counting the one that you're walking out of, there are seven buildings in and around the grove. Um, all of them are the same kind of style as the one that you were just in. Uh, six of them are kind of around the outside of a rough circle. And there's one much larger in the middle. Walkways of loose river stones run around the buildings, and then from all the periphery buildings into the center. So from above, it would kind of look like a wagon wheel. This grove or circle or whatever seems to be on top of a mountain, uh, because all around you, just beyond the walls, there's only fog and then the occasional mountaintop. Yet despite that, the air here isn't thin, and it's actually almost balmy. Sardrag leads you into one of the smaller buildings on the edge of the circle. Inside, it's a very druidy-type library. And the shelves are built into the walls, kind of like cave cubbies. Most of them contain scrolls, uh, many of them made of like hide and like strips of bark. 
Um, there are dozens of basins of water scattered around, almost like some of them might be used as desks. There are floating orbs of light, like giant lightning bugs that provide all the light in the chamber. And standing in front of a 20 by 10 foot section of wall is a Glirion. His tall, muscular frame is draped in a simple green robe. His elven features, already showing age far more than elves usually do, are pinched with concentration. Uh, you're struck again with how old he seems, because elves typically don't you know, show age at all. Whereas old elves, uh, the you know, 600-year-old-plus crowd, whereas they tend to begin to look more and more like immaculate marble statues carved by masters. Oglirion looks more like the a seaside cliff that's been carved by erosion. This could be, of course, because most elves do not live as long as he has. If the stories are true, he was about 400 years old when he forged the legendary Crucius during the War of the Champions. So if that's the case, he's actually closer to about 4,000 years old now. When you first met him, he explained his long life is due to his connection to nature and in turn to the life song. So that might have some influence on his appearance as well. He is currently reading a number of uh, like druidic markings that look like they were grown on the wall with moss. And he lets out a little grunt and like waves a hand in front of the wall. And the moss begins like receding into the wall and then blossoms again into a new arrangement of figures. Uh, Venguin, not waiting for any of you, walks past all of you and stops midway into the room and lets out just a little soft L. And Elglirion turns. His features soften noticeably as he lays eyes on the halfling. He then says simply, Egrain. And the two just stand there looking at each other between the things unspoken between them and the amount of time that they are silently staring at each other fairly quickly turns this into a somewhat awkward situation for those of you who are just standing there watching them why don't we give them a minute and we'll come back at that Elglirion notices that you are there and turns and gives you a nod of thanks Sardrag motions for you to follow him and then leaves the the chamber as the five of you walk out you can't help but hear the beginning of their conversation even though they are speaking quietly to each other i i I didn't know you were alive i thought we had lost you if i had known i wouldn't i wouldn't have run i would have and then you are far enough outside the building that you can no longer hear them. Sardrag leads you over to an area of the grove where there's a nice little stream gently rolling by. There's a few trees that provide shade. They offer you bedding and food. You find this place to be very peaceful, very restful. And after an hour or so of resting, even just sitting under a tree, reading a book or something, you feel like you've rested an entire night. So go ahead and take the benefits of a long rest, and then let's talk about what you are doing as you're waiting. I don't know if I ever learned that. I know there's a cantrip, minor illusion. You could have, you could have 
learned that or got like a scroll to learn it from in the summer city okay then yeah i'll, I'll do that what were you trying to accomplish there bears trying to accomplish this i just like do an illusion to make it all of my glowing star cosmic looking skin look like normal flesh and everything oh all right it basically looks like the same like everything's the same except not like completely black full of stars Right, so basically when he transitioned from Elf to Eldrin, because he was doing it via Elder Starlight, his skin took on that cosmic tone. So while you all were in the Feywild, it was not quite a big deal. Now being back in the mortal world, there's just not a lot of people, if anyone, walking around with star skin. Not freaking people out, gotcha. Yeah. Um, I'm going to meditate. I'm going to take my armor off and just kind of like sit there and just like simple robes. And I'm sitting cross-legged with my sword on my lap. And uh, I'm just kind of like waving it back and forth, a little uh, sensor over my sword, just trying to commune maybe with Tempest. Is this like is this like something you normally do, or is this a new thing that you're starting to do? This is going to be a new thing I'm going to start to do. This is going to be okay. just a nice way to re-communicate with uh, Tempest. Okay. Um, I'm going to hang out with Diggy. What does that look like? Because she's in that little pocket dimension now. Can I go in the pocket dimension? Does that work that way? No. Sure. I can? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so then I'd go to the pocket dimension and be like, hang out in the ocean because I can swim. Okay, in. yeah, I mean it's more like a like a little <clears throat> tank of water. It's not quite an ocean yeah. yet, but uh. Okay. Well. Yeah, if you just want to go like swim with Diggy for a while. Yep. I'm sure she would like that. We'll say I'm like polishing my bow and sharpening arrows, and then when I get to the volt knife, it like I like poke the end of it and it shocks me. <laughs> nice. I mean, so we're we're just waiting while these people talk. Does that that's what's happening? Malkin, look, you you got to think these two haven't seen each other in millennia. They thought they were both dead. These things take time. You know, we can afford a couple of days if we have to. You know, I get antsy when I don't see you guys for a day. I mean, I can only imagine how they're feeling right now. Aww. I tell them, I know, man. It must be a bear. <laughs> it's funny because Elliman used to be a were bear. <laughs> Wish they would all die. I don't really have much to do. I feel like maybe I'm working on my eye patch. I don't know how quickly I put that eye patch together when the eye thing happened. But if um yeah, if I'm doing that and then it like if it takes longer, like they're talking for days or something, like he's probably just sitting there getting angry. So <laughs> So what does he do when he's getting like when he gets angry? Probably pacing, kind of walking around, looking at stuff, <laughs> like just like whatever's on the walls or whatever's kind of around. He probably sits down to nap every once in a while, but um, there's probably a point where he can't anymore. And he probably grumbles at Aramel about it. I'm wondering, like, just overall as a group, like, we never show much urgency. Are we... I know, obviously, like, our mission is for the fate of the realm, etc., etc. So we know it's, like, a grand-scale thing, but is it, like, urgent? Like, is it emergency? Like, are we impatient when we have to wait? Or is it, like... I don't know. I don't feel like we've ever been like told that we're in a time crunch. Like if we don't do right. this quickly, then it'll, something bad's gonna happen. Yeah, it's not like you know a meteor is coming to Earth or something, and we have a limited amount of time. It's like there's this grand plan, but we don't know the time frame. Yeah, I mean, I got the sense that it was slowly happening. Like it's not like we're seeing the sky turn black. And I mean, I was gonna say I'd say Malkin's impatient because he just doesn't like sitting around doing nothing like he, I don't think he's since he's not really the brains of the operation 
um, even though he kind of tried to be that one time and you may or may not remember that I murdered somebody. But um, yep, that he, happened. he's like just kind of like following along with everybody else's plan. He just doesn't like sitting there. I'd probably address the group at some point and just say like, hey, like we've been doing through like a lot of shit. We've all changed quite a bit. Some quite literally. I look at myself and I say if you if you ever think you like you you feel like you need a moment to like take care of some stuff, I'm I'm down to help. Just let me know. You've helped me immensely since I've joined you. I've made progress that I never thought I would. So we each have our own demons to take care of, and I've taken care of some of mine. The least I can do is help take care of some of yours. Very big there, Varys. Thank you for that. There's a lot of shit happening quickly, too. So, you never know how much time you're going to have. It's moments like this where you kind of take a moment to breathe. It's kind of nice. Can't remember the last time we all had a moment like this. Some people wait a lifetime. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Thanks for running this thing, Adam. <laughs> Then after all of them are done being emo, I come out of the pocket dimension and I'm just like, what are y'all doing? (laughs) (laughs) So after about six hours uh, of waiting here, Sardrag returns and asks you to follow him. This time he takes you to that building in the center of the circle. Um, Its walls are little more than the archways um, that, that arc over the top of the six walkways leading into the building. Uh, The vast majority of the room is taken up by a series of uh, circle terraces. Each, by the time it rises all the way to top, it almost kind of looks like a very, like, very wide, very thin, like, uh, wedding cake. And it does go up almost like 30 feet in the cent- like in the center of the room. On that highest terrace, there's a pedestal. And you can't see what's in it from where you are, because, again, it's, it's pretty high up. But you do see a wavy golden light coming out of it that reminds you of the life song well that you saw back in Rithrandir. Which is where you, you know, found Oglirion. It's where you found his spear. Oglirion and Vanguin are standing near the pedestal, and Oglirion looks very stern, almost angry. Uh, but he waves you up. As you get within just a couple of levels from the two, Oglirion says, "Grain has told me she is bound by an oath to give you a surrendil. We can do so here, Aramil. I presume you would be the one to wield it." Oh yes, for sure. What vessel would you prefer? I don't even know what that means. At your confusion, his face softens, and he turns to Vanguin. You didn't tell them. Well, it's none of their fucking business. They saved me from the Eternal Watch, and they have already sacrificed much to undo the damage that our... that my actions have caused Arya. You and I stand here reunited... Only because of them. Tell them. Vanguin sighs and crosses her arms. Fine, but I'm not a fucking bard, so don't expect a fucking story time out of it. Very early in my time with the Wild Hunt, I fucking died. Isurindil saved my life by pouring all of its life song energy into me. She raises her hands like she's going to draw back on a bow, and as she does, golden light starts like leaping from her hands 
and as she fully extends, it becomes the outline and shape of a, a fully extended and a knocked bow and arrow made of pure light. And as she slackens her grip, kind of like letting it go, the, the light seeps back into her hands and disappears. Basically, Asurindil and I are the same thing. So if you want this legendary fucking bow, Aglirion is going to have to tear out of me, and that's going to kill me. And I am fucking fine with it. The last bit she directs at Elglirion, and it certainly sounds like the continuation of an argument. Elglirion takes a step towards her and says, Grain, I... We've already talked about it. Riding with the hunt, I've seen the fucking shroud that is imprisoning Arya. And I've seen the fucking Gash who maintain it. They are not fucking around. You will need all the help you can get. You need a Serendil. You! You could be that help. You could stay with us. Fight with us. With me. We have been apart for so long. There's so much I wish to talk to you about. <laughs> like what, El? You've been stuck in a cage for almost 3,000 years. And I... I don't have a lot of things I care to remember or reminisce about. Would you want us to re remember the good old days? When cities were burning to the ground? Oh, remember how much fun it was when we found the entire city of Mosswood had been slaughtered? Or when we watched Jason die? Or when my home and half of fucking Arya was torn apart by your Crucius? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about all that. Let's... I still hear their screams. The Coventry at Sleekmore. All the drink from a dozen worlds, and I can't drown them out. And the two are now staring very quietly at each other. Neither of them is going to say it, but it is very clear that they are at an impasse. And it is going to be up to you all to decide how this will go down. You're going to have to either convince Elglirion that he should essentially kill Vanguin so that you all can get a Surindil, or you have to convince Vanguin that she should live and that she should help in your quest. So, to be as clear as possible, before all of this is done, there's going to be some kind of confrontation. Isorindil is one of the most powerful weapons ever created. While Vanguin doesn't appear to be in a state where it seems like she would be joining you in any sort of battle, she is a legendary champion, as well as a rider of the Wild Hunt. Badassery is a requisite of both of those things. You once again have your amulets from Garth that let you communicate with each other telepathically. So, what would you like to do? Guys, I'm like the best fucking archer that's ever existed in the world. So, I would think that a bow as powerful as that would be useful in our party. I agree. <clears throat> Honestly, she's not been nice to us. <laughs> We've only known her for like 20 minutes because the other six hours she talked to the other guy she seems like she's sick of living and she has a cool weapon so 
we can have a nice wake for her whenever she goes. Obviously, it's her decision. So if whatever she decides. The knowledge that she could bring to the table could be pretty useful on the road. But uh, what knowledge do we need that we don't have? Uh, millennia knowledge, how to fight these things. I'm not going to disagree with that at all. Isn't our goal to get all the Crucius? Our goal is to stop the Gesh. The Crucius are a way to help. From what we understand, the Gesh are pretty not so crazy, though. But if Aglarion wants her alive, his reaction to that, he wouldn't turn against us, but he may not be quite as friendly friendly to us if that happens. But oh. that said, I still want a fucking sweet bow, so. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you two battle and whoever loses, wait, whoever wins gets the bow? I'm not going to. Could I, could I resurrect you? There could possibly be a third up, and this would totally rise on Aramon. I don't know the powers involved with this, but and I, I don't know how the bow works, but could you take in the bow and her? Ooh, or just pull out half your brain. You don't use all of it. She can live in one half, you live in the other. You can just alternate. Basically, she continues living through the weapon. A sentient weapon? I don't know. That'd be miserable. Don't put that on somebody. Yeah, that sounds like a demon. Could, could she be resurrected when the transfer is done? You have never seen or heard of anyone who is being kept alive by the essence of a Crucius. So I think just based on your prior knowledge, you don't know. If we found a random person to kill and bring here <laughs> and put her in that body, no. how would that work? <laughs> I don't think Thomas is going to get us a third way out of here. I think this is going to be... If you think of something like that, that that's not what she just said. <laughs> Find a vagrant laying on the street. We don't have to use it like a person type being. I mean, we're not doing killing more people. Should we ask yeah. Garth, or would it be like another riddle me this situation? We don't want to go down. I don't think Garth could help us here. What if we find somebody who just died, not by my doing, but just died, and took their body? Not a, it's not a body thing. It's a life force thing. Yeah, so I'm saying. Yeah. They just died so you can reanimate the body with the life force, right? Oh. Uh, so the problem is, like, if we if the weapon gets taken from her, she just dies automatically? Is that what's happening? From your understanding of the Crucius and what Venguin told you, the Crucius are so powerful because they are physical manifestations of the life song. Without the life song, Isorindil is just a bow. And as long as Isorindil is a part of Venguin, that life song is inside of her, keeping her alive. Kind of like the life songs inside of Varys? Um, yes and no. Varys has a connection that is kind of like a garden hose. He can use it periodically to strengthen his magic to augment what he can do naturally but when he turns off the garden hose nothing really changes for him whereas in this analogy the life song is water so what you're talking about doing is taking all of the water out of Fanguin's body if it means the, pres the preservation of a great mind like that but we don't know that she's a great mind she's done like literally nothing to help us uh, she's been drunk and cussed at us a lot. All I'm saying is I'm not so quick to jump the gun to kill somebody right away. I prefer the practical benefit of us actually having proven ourselves as 
capable of doing this versus the possible benefit of this person helping us. If we're going to be the chosen warriors or whatever to carry out this plan, I don't see why we would not want to keep every possible advantage at our side. And I mean practical advantage, not Mm -hmm. potential advantage. And we don't want to repeat what the champions did, because clearly something didn't work back then. Uh, One of them died, and the rest of them hated themselves afterwards. So... And the Crucius became so powerful that they forever changed the face of Arya, most notably not in positive ways. So we want to talk to Aglarion, like, one-on-one? What do you want to say? Would you still help us if we were to listen to her and, and take the bow and use it? Of course. But you wouldn't be very happy about that. He makes as if he's going to start speaking and then stops and in that moment he looks to you far older than he ever has older in a way that is beyond physical when I lost her the first time I I he lowers his head and is quiet for a moment he then looks at you again and that extra weight you saw just moments before is hidden again He says, Before I die, I will see the shroud that is imprisoning Arya torn down. I will make sure that no one else has to pay for what we did. That no one else has to pay for what I did when I created the Crucius. That is what matters. I will quietly, amongst us, say we also still have a favor from a god whether we wanted to use that situation now. I don't want to risk anything. I want to just get this bow and this person will not exist. It's I'm not the person that would be gaining the item. I leave that to Aramel if he wants to, if he's willing to live with taking another life for a bow. That's fine. Here's a question. That is absolutely not what's happening. That's not the way I would (laughs) phrase it at all. Okay. So if you really, I'm getting mad now. If you boil it down to the most basic thing, what would be the reason not to do it? That maybe she helps us somewhere down the road. Do you not think that I've proven myself worthy enough to put this to good use that you know will happen rather than what potentially could happen? I think you're pretty damn good with the bow you have, and this is not going to change who and how you are with the bow. No, that's that's aside the fact, though. This is an item that could take down a, a you know, uh, an earth-shattering event. We don't know her. She was mean. She said she wants to die, and she'll give us the cool thing. So let her die. It might be the most heroic thing she ever did. Like, this is her last great act. Like, she's sacrificing her life for the world. I'm just going back to Sinister to hang out for the rest I'm of my days. ask her, is this what you truly want? I'm fucking here, aren't I? Truthfully. I'll take that. She turns and looks directly at Elliman. I can see it in your eyes. You still think we're heroes, Oglirion and I. (laughs) If you saw what we have seen, you'd understand why I'm here. So you're saying that after this battle, we're going to want to kill ourselves? Still looking directly into Elliman's eyes, she says, I'm saying, in my experience, those heroes in your storybooks and bard songs, they aren't glorious and brave. They are people who did what they had to do. The lucky ones die doing what other people could not or would not do. The unlucky live on as broken, 
tortured things. They are forced to live with the memories of what it really means to do whatever it takes. As for you, I don't know if you're lucky or not. That's terrifying. Is there anything you want us to do for you after you're gone? <laughs> if there's anything I've left undone, it will be far beyond your meager abilities. Malcolm doesn't right. care now, because she was mean to him again when he tried to be nice. Fuck it. <laughs> like, I feel like I was like in the, toward the front of the group, and I just walk away. I'm not a life cleric. I'm a cleric of war. I don't feel right about it, but I'll accept it. Death is unavoidable. It is the price that we all pay. So, yeah, God. and I don't think it has to be unanimous. And I'm looking directly um, at Barris. It sounds like most of you have come to the same decision. If that's the case, one or more of you have to convince Algerion. I'll say, despite him not knowing this information at the time, he thought that Vicrucius would be in good hands with us originally, and nothing has changed. Roll persuasion. A 19. He nods thoughtfully at that, but he is still clearly hesitating. He's not quite there yet. He's going to need one more little push. What if we, like, give them, like, a day together? They can say their byes and blah, 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 blah. They've already pretty much... Because I feel like the they talked about stuff for the last six hours, but half of it was, like, arguing about her being, like, I want to die. <laughs> kind of stuff, so. So what would you say to him? So I would tell him, um, you would get your chance to, like, be happy and peaceful together instead of like ending it like this so you get 24 hours or however long you need to like make your amends and spend some time happy together so you have like better memories of her and blah 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 I think those blah 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 blahs are going to be what ends up really selling it for you <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and roll persuasion 18 Aglirion looks over to Vanguin she takes a deep breath and then gives a barely perceptible nod. Oglirion lets out a breath you didn't realize he was holding. Then he turns to Thorina and says, Thank you for this. Then to all of you, he says, Sardrag will see to your accommodations. We should all meet here again tomorrow. And then they turn to go. So is there anything that you would like to do overnight? Meditation. Um, <laughs> I don't know what else you're going to call it. Okay, so we'll move on. Sardrag leads you back to the spot by the stream. He provides bedding and food. If any of you would like to sleep indoors instead, there's uh, accommodations for that that are made. And the night passes uneventfully. This place is undeniably restful and serene. It's definitely the best night's sleep you've gotten since you became Cerulean Sons. It's probably the best night's sleep you've ever had. When the appointed time comes, you return to that building in the center of the grove. Algerion and Vanguin are already there. The scene strikes you as being very similar to the one you saw yesterday, except that now Algerion and Vanguin are standing on the same side of the pedestal. Algerion does not look upset, and Vanguin looks a little less drunk. They look like that comfortable silence people get when they truly connect and feel safe with one another. As you get up to that top terrace with them, Oglerion motions toward 
Aramel and says, Isurindil requires a vessel. I presume the bow you already have will serve well. If so, please present it here. I will do it, and as I do it, I will say, Fangwin, I could only hope to ever be the hunter that you are. I hope that I will do this crucious justice. She seems to suddenly remember that she intended to inspect her boots and is looking down and very uncomfortable for a little bit. And then before she raises her head again, she says, Just uh, take care of a Surindale and she'll take care of you. I'll try my best. She then looks like she's thinking about something and kind of takes a, a couple steps away from you. Um, and she reaches up into her eye, the, the gem eye, and like digs a finger into the socket. And it about, like pops out into her hand, and she gives it a, a bounce a couple of times. And I one hundred percent hold back a gag. Like <laughs> <laughs> she tosses it to Malkin and oh. says, "You look like a fucking asshole with only one eye. That's not you. Try this." I like take my eye patch off and and then use that to like kind of wipe it off, and then like as I'm like going to put it in, if, can I even it? put it in? Does that work? As soon as you pop it in, you can tell that there is something magical or special about this gem. Uh, not the least of which being that you can now see through it as if it was your eye. In fact, you think you can see a little bit better through the gem than through your normal eye. And when you play around with this and like look at different things at different distances from you, you discover that it's kind of like a spyglass, allowing you to see at much greater distances. Okay, that's fucking dope. So Vanguin moves back towards the, the pedestal and puts her hands into the, the glowing water on the opposite side from where the bow is. As she does, Alglarion kind of reaches out as if like to touch her arm and stops short. Vanguin just looks at him. Just, um, just don't do anything too fucking stupid. Well, I will soon have one last bad influence. They smile sadly at each other for just a moment, and then... Oglarion begins reciting an incantation, and the words sound like rocks rolling down a valley, uh, like waves crashing on the shore, like winds howling through trees, and eventually like wildfire crackling through a thicket. As he is making this recitation, a Sardrag approaches him with a blacksmith's hammer made of glass. And when Elglirion takes the hammer, the light begins to dance around the edges of it, um, almost like almost like lens flares. And then, still chanting, Elglirion starts striking the bow with the hammer. He brings the hammer around in huge, sweeping arcs. And with each hit, when he strikes the bow, there's the sound of a single, pure, simple chime. With each strike, the golden light grows brighter. And each chime grows louder and echoes longer until the room is entirely filled with light and sound. And for just a moment, you kind of lose yourself in the fullness of that. Uh, for a moment, it's hard to remember there's anything else other than this just fulfilling feeling of the light and this beautiful chiming sound. You don't know how long this lasts, and you don't care. But eventually, the light and the chime begin to fade. And you can't help but feel disappointment as the chamber and Aglirion and your companions come back into your vision. Vanguin is no longer there. Uh, Sardrag 
takes the hammer just before Oglerion drops it. And a pair of elves are there to help, or they kind of grab Oglerion under the arms and help him walk out of the room. He looks exhausted to the point of like barely being able to keep to his feet. And there on the pedestal is a gleaming bow. Its arms arc out and spread near the end like eagle's feathers. In the center of the grip, a handguard swoops back over where the wrist would be like tail feathers. And jutting forward like a beak is a short punch blade in the center of the bow. Aramil, as you pick up Usurindil, the crucius that the rest of you are carrying vibrate as if they too have been struck by the hammer and they grow warm and they glow just a little bit and then that little vibration and the glow and the warm kind of seeps back into them and they seem normal again but you can tell almost right away but they are a little bit stronger now too nice Aglirion addresses you from the door the elves that are helping keep him on his feet have turned him around so he can address you the Crucius are the life song made physical. It is in their nature to sing together. The more of them you bring together, the louder that song will be. When I made them, I did not fully understand what that meant. He then motions to the elves carrying him, and he leaves you alone in the chamber with the well of the life song and the three legendary Crucius you now carry. shit is gone now, right? Like, whatever we brought out of the hunt with us right. is kept. Right. Okay. Sweet! I've got so many hammers! Because <laughs> you needed more hammers. It occurs to me we have not made enough bear jokes. <laughs> yeah, I think we have. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, okay, now it's too much. I hate puns. You broke so <laughs> Wish they would all die. <laughs> Well, then I'm resting. Okay, or let him do something, and then I'll rest. Just let me do something, for Christ's sake. (laughs) Yeah, we could. Who's Christ? For Tempest's sake. Jesus. (laughs) Who's Jesus? (laughs) Let's poke all kinds of holes in this, guys. What other questions can we ask? (laughs) Thomas Uh, basically gave me an invincible weapon here. Does he have to fully knock the arrow back, or can he just, like, tap it really quick? He's... I hate you. <laughs> when hidden, I get an extra attack, which is like basically every attack of me of mine is after I'm hidden. So you've actually had that part for a while. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's, he thinks he's discovering new things. Let it happen. We would actually be the, done with the adventure already. 